Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Writers Toolshed. It's Richie here and delighted to welcome back after a bit of a sabbatical, JM. Hey everybody, I'm back. How are um, you doing? I've been better. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been a kind of a hard couple months for me. Uh, yeah. Had some family issues and also some real life office issues so it's been it's been busy and uh stressful and i haven't had a lot of time to focus on writing and uh other things like this podcast but it's it's nice to to be back and to get into a, a more regular routine and and we've got a good topic today yeah we do indeed it is magic systems so and i'm not I'm not a big fan of magic. I don't use a lot of it in my stories. I tend to focus on characters and apply real world problems to them, but just in a fantasy setting because anything can happen in a fantasy setting. That's just what I love about it. But you know, you've used magic systems in your stories, haven't you? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of magic. And this is the Fantasy Writers Tool Shed, so it's probably a topic that we were going to hit here eventually. Um, I think you have the right idea about what fantasy is and what people, what appeals to readers as far as fantasy goes, and that's characters. But there's always room for action and and uh, yeah monsters and flashy explosions. So just uh, give your characters powers instead. Makes it yeah. more interesting, doesn't it? I mean, superheroes, superhero genre is a, a subgenre of fantasy, in my opinion, and, and superhero powers, unless you're getting deep into genetics and talking things like genetic mutants like X-Men, you know, generally, generally speaking, a lot of superhero fiction is, is fantasy. It's magic. It's not explained. Yeah. And when I say I don't like magic, I, I, I say that in the context of writing rather than reading because a lot of my favorite fantasy books have had big um magic themes running through them I mean, magician by feist <laughs> magic in the title that's my, one of my favorite fantasy books so i um I, I do like magic but i just don't really use it enough in me my stories yeah i think i think fantasy as a genre if you think back to um things like tolkien and and fair you know the fairy queen the original kind of fairy lore and things like that there was always a a magical element to it and yeah and that element of the of the unknown and the and the mysterious and the unexplained yeah so i think maybe to get started um it would be worth you know, retreading some old uh, territory and, and, and defining fantasy again, at least where we're coming from as far as, you know, what angle we're approaching and what we think fantasy is. And when I define fantasy or explain fantasy to, um, to readers and, and, and to, to other writers, I like to use the Star Wars versus Star Trek comparison. Um, I think yeah. that lays it, lays it out pretty good. Um, <laughs> 
a lot of people think those two get often get lumped in together into science fiction, but really Star Wars really isn't star science fiction per se. And there's a good reason yeah. for it. Um, in Star Trek, everything is explained. It, it might not be strictly scientific, but you have a warp drive that works with a warp bubble that runs off of antimatter and uh, has a you know dilithium chamber and all these different mechanics and details yeah. on, on how the system runs. That's science fiction. Science fiction is you are explaining the processes and how things work. Fantasy is the, yeah. is the opposite. You, you don't explain how things work. So in Star Wars, for the most part, um, if you go just based off of the, the movies and, and the core series, they don't really explain how the ships fly. They don't really explain how light speed works. They don't, and then they don't explain the force. Um, the force is this magical power that exists in the universe that certain characters have the ability to tap into. Now in the, one of the prequel movies, they added the midichlorians as a scientific explanation for where the force came from. And there was just uproar. The fans <laughs> were not, were not getting it. They, they, they didn't want the force explained. They just wanted it to be there. And yeah. interesting, you know, interestingly enough, they never, the movies have never gone back to midichlorians. They've never gone back to explain the force. It's just something that is there and exists. And that's really the kind of the defining characteristic of fantasy is um, the unknown element. Things are not fully explained. And yeah. magic tends to be one of the big components of that is there's, there's, there's a power that characters can tap into, but it isn't explained in detail how they do it. You don't go into their genetics or you don't go into the technology that allows them to exploit this power. It just kind of is there and it exists and it's used. Um, and this allows the author to focus on something else. The authors in yeah. fantasy focus on character and, uh, and issue, whether that's a you know, class, class examination or a racial examination. Or um, uh, I saw an article recently that, that uh, looked at the Lord of the Rings and the role of Frodo and that Sam's struggle was all external. Sam yeah. was the character who was, was physically combating the world and struggling and, and, um, and facing the external threats. And Frodo was all this internal struggle about yeah. uh, facing you know, your inner demons and struggling with depression and overpowering despair. And the, way, the reason why Lord of the Rings was so powerful and, and had such a fan reaction is that you have these two, you, two characters that are, are doing two, two different things that are synergizing. Sam yeah. is, is, is dealing with the external th uh, obstacles and Frodo is dealing with these internal obstacles. And depending on who you are, you relate to those different heroes and uh, people with uh, depression, um, you know, suicidal tendencies, uh, going through grief, things like that. Fro they respond to Frodo because Frodo is dealing with that same sort of inner despair. That's just kind of crippling. Um, it was a really good article. Uh, I'll try to yeah, find sounds, it and link it to fantastic. link it with the podcast. That's yeah. what fantasy does is examines characters and 
those types of things where sci-fi is typically plot driven or concept driven sci-fi is yeah. focused on the technology how it works and and how that technology affects things um i robot is all about the robot and the robot rules and how robots integrate into societies i can't even remember yeah. who the characters are in i robot i just know <laughs> i know the three rules right like the the three robot rules is a robot can't ever can ever hurt a human and 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 those types of things like that's what you pull that's what you re remember from iRobot and what you remember from Lord of the Rings is Frodo and Sam and Legolas and Aragorn and the and the king returned and all those character driven plot you know story points yeah so that's how I would distinguish fantasy and science fiction so one big element of fantasy then is magic the this undefined power yeah and um interesting you know another interesting crossover between fantasy and science fiction is arthur c clark and his third law the very commonly quoted phrase any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic which just kind of means if you don't explain it it's magic um yeah Typically in fantasy stories, magic takes the form of superhuman power, whether that's um, the ability to throw fireballs or to fly or um, other sorts of things, but it also might take the form of, uh, of supernatural creatures or um, you know, other supernatural type elements. Enchanted weapons, armor. Weapons, enchanted, yeah, power, empowered Department of weapons and uh, equipment. Yeah, um, that's what our whole stories are about, isn't it? Magic daggers. Yeah, um, and dragons and unicorns and that are that are divine. And um, I think the, the the critical point though is once you once you've explained it too much, it's no longer magic; it's technology or it's biology. So I remember yeah. reading a, a book. I think it's, I think it was called dragon of ashen stars where it's, it's like a biography of a dragon and it goes into detail. A, a lot of the, it's basically part of it's kind of this biological analysis of like the life of dragons, like how they're born and where they come from and, and all this different stuff. And at that yeah. point it stops being magic and it starts to be, it's yeah. just biology. It's just a different biology. It quite literally loses its magic. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, something you mentioned earlier there, JM, which is um, always something that interests me just purely for, for the, uh, the aspect of conflict is the relationship between magic and religion. So, I mean, when we look at religion and fantasy, it generally exists. Like, it's true. You know, gods and goddesses do generally exist um, whereas in our world it's a there's no basis if it does or it doesn't like it it all depends on faith and what you believe and the extent in which you believe it um but in fantasy everything's sort of real like gods exist and all that so if you've got a magic system what relationship does religion have within your world because if you look at humanity and civilizations all throughout time, there's always been some kind of belief system, some kind of religion, generally centered around the sun, 
because that is a life giver. But you see the likes of, um, say, communities based around rivers, things like that. There's a lot of like, or seas, oceans. There's a lot of like belief in gods and goddesses um, to do with things that give them life and support them throughout their lives. So, I mean, do, I think, do characters uh, view religion and differently if magic exists? Or are they separate or interlinked or do they conflict with each other? I mean, I think there's there's plenty. If you if both do exist in your world, there's plenty of different ways you can toy around with that conflict between the two. If the if one exists, it could be interlinked. But what do you think? Have you come across anything like that in fantasy? Well just uh, just thinking religion in general, um it's not all gods and goddesses, right? I mean even even the sun gods is kind of a a a western central eurasian type thing um if you go further east you have a lot of animism and 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 totemism and also in early north america where uh like you said river like everything like river the rivers the lakes the hills they all have some sort of spiritual element to it some sort of entity um, yeah, and uh, in in the Far East, with animism, it's the animals and the trees and everything, um, and you kind of get that in fantasy with with elves and and those types of characters. So, d- yeah, religion is a huge topic, and it d- it doesn't have to be just gods and goddesses. It can be it can take all sorts of different forms, and. Um, like you say, often in fantasy, it's the it's it's true. The beliefs are true, and this is all the shorthand explanation sometimes for like where the magic comes from. Yeah. That, oh, it's there. There's gods and goddesses, therefore the chosen one. Powerful things, right? Yeah. Convenience. <laughs> well, like we said, we don't need to explain magic. So. Well, we'll get in that. We'll get into. We'll discuss that yeah. later. Just how much do you need to explain, and whether or not you need to explain it. But if you explain, yeah, if you explain too much, you definitely there's a there's a line where you cross where it's no longer really fantasy if you're explaining too much. Yeah. So, like as we said, um, a lot of times, magic in fantasy is drawn from religion or from the divine, I guess, would be the best way to to clarify it. Yeah, and uh, it's not explained in terrible detail, other than that these characters or these sources are divine. And I think Tolkien is a good, another good example. Um, so in Tolkien, the wizards who have this unexplained magical power and can do these things. Um, are these kind of demigod type characters that are, and I and I'm not a, a Tolkien expert to to lay out exactly how everything hashed out in the similar uh, similar Rillian and all that, but yeah. um, the wizards are are some sort of demigod characters that are that are descended from <clears throat> the original uh, godlike the Valar I think are the the original kind of god semi godlike characters that were created for the world. So there's this whole creation story 
with with the gods and then the the kind of the divine children and and all the kind of the magic power and and Sauron and the his ability to craft the rings and the wizards all are descended from that divine um lineage and that's where yeah. all the power comes from and that's very common to see in in a lot of fantasy i think is that magic is is divine and when we talk about magic systems i'll get into that more but you you had an example as well right yeah i mean i really like uh how george rr martin tackles religion and game of thrones i think the way he does it, it it's full of conflict and it's it's quite grey in terms of like there's no it's not really pure it's not really evil but it's definitely manipulated in a way that it sort of reflects what religion uh, is like in reality I suppose in, in some respects it can be abused by the wrong, wrong people for manipulative reasons so yeah and I think I, I, I think the interesting thing about the Game of Thrones, religion and Game of Thrones is I, I watched all, I watched the show and I played, you know, some of the games that, some of the official games and whatnot. Um, it, it never struck me as being confirmed. So they have their religion, but, and, and there's hints that, that some things might be divinely caused, but it's never seems to be really confirmed. And you've actually got the competing religions. You've got like the, uh, yeah. What is it? The seven or the eight? The seven, yeah, is the sort of Westeros one, and then you've got like uh, the Lord of Light and all that. Yeah, the, yeah. So you have the two competing. They both can't be right. They're, yeah, I thought that it's that was never really explained. We haven't got that far in the books, I don't think. When yeah. obviously spoilers is turn it off if you don't want to know when Jon <laughs> Snow dies and gets resurrected by uh, the Red Witch. Um, I mean, is. She she's called a witch, so you assume she's got some sort of magical ability. So was it the magic that was doing that, or was it the Lord of Light? I mean, that never really went anywhere in the the TV show. You only hope that it might get some kind of an explanation in the books. Yeah. But um. Or was he? Or was he even completely dead? I mean, he got yeah, he got I think. Of- <laughs> 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 he was pretty dead, I think. But, um. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite interesting. Again, it's a little conflict. I mean, what I like about Game of Thrones is it this magic's not clear in it, is it? It's these there's these ancient beings who had some sort of magical abilities. They've all sort of died out, uh, but they've passed on. I mean, like the the White Walkers and stuff like that. But it's I suppose it's like and dragons, of course. But it's like dr- magic's on its way out. It's like the last echoes of magic. Um, but that's what I quite like. I like yeah, and it's not really explained. Yeah, where it comes from. Um, the dragons are the, the, you know, the dragons are just kind of there. There, they come from eggs, but and they and they, yeah, it's like they've. Well, there's there's always been dragons, like in yeah in the you know in the in the history, but where it, it's not explained where where they come from, and um, I don't think the White Walkers like. Are fully explained what makes them tick and and where their power is coming coming from, other than it's the 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 ancient magic, right? Yeah. Hopefully, a lot will come in the books. But um, do you do you want it to be fully explained? 
In some that's respects, a, a I just like question, a sort right? of not like in detail, just so at least you know what's going on. <laughs> I'm watching the last few series, that Game of Thrones, I'm like, what the bloody hell's happening here? Yeah, they got like past no the, character development at all. They got past the books and didn't didn't know what they were doing at that point. I know, but you just know exactly what happened. It's like George R. R. Martin told them what happens in the books, like in terms of plot points. But what is lacking is the character development to make any of the plot points compelling. Yeah, it's a shame. But now the books will always be better. Hopefully, if he finishes them. So, well, I think I think. Um it's going to turn out, you know, the, the, the TV, the Game of Thrones TV series is going to turn out a lot like the, um, like the new Star Wars movies. Uh, my understanding is George R. R. Martin gave them a lot of plot points of what, what's going to happen, but they didn't take them all. Right. They didn't, they didn't do everything that, that Martin said. They, they kind of went off on their own the same way that uh, um, George Lucas has provided, provided Disney a bunch of, ideas about where star wars should go and they went in a different direction so i think the books yeah. are going to end up in a different place than the series did just because those two they they didn't literally take take his plot and and apply it to the tv show they did their own thing and spectacularly failed it wasn't that fun it was not it was spectacular though lots of lots of good cgi battles yeah there was yeah i enjoyed the battles so, so we're talking about magic systems, then back to the back to the topic at hand. Um, so, how much do we need to explain? And yeah, so a lot of I see a lot in um, like uh, Facebook kind of fantasy writer uh, groups and in other places. You got new writers who are who are new to fantasy, and one of the big questions they always ask is, "How do you make a magic system?" As if it's it's something that's required of yeah. all fantasy novels like um, I don't know, never used one. it's 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 yeah it's not something that's required and it go you this whole the whole point of the whole point of this podcast this episode is really how much do you need to explain so on the one end is the magic system so the mechanics of how magic works in a particular world and um that is the far end of of explaining a lot. And I think um, for me, one of the best examples is Dungeons and Dragons. And I think uh, fantasy as a genre has a lot um, owes a lot to Dungeons and Dragons for making the genre pop, uh, popular. They basically took um, Tolkien fantasy and popularized it by uh, making it more kind of pop culture, more focused on action and, and magic and, and all those flashy elements, whereas Tolkien is really more of a literary story about, about uh, people and struggle and the magic and everything kind of happens. Is, it, it takes a, a, is more of a supporting role. Well, in Dungeons and Dragons, magic is all upfront. And then with the success of Dungeons and Dragons, you get all of the, you get, you know, all these fantasy movies and video games and, and board games and comic book spinoffs that are all kind of derived from that. And I think that's where a lot of people in my generation 
kind of got in touch with with Tolkien fantasy with elves and dwarves and all that kind of thing is that that kind of evolved form that it took with Dungeons and Dragons and in Dungeons and Dragons it's you know it started as a game so obviously you've got to define your rules and define your mechanics of how things work so in Dungeons and Dragons there's two basic forms of magic there's divine magic and there's arcane magic and divine magic comes from the gods and that's more traditional type fantasy element so um you know a little bit more like Tolkien a little bit more like um um the fae and uh mythology you know the greek greek heroes are all you know uh, demigods and have s- some sort of divine heritage so on the one side there's divine magic and if you want to use divine magic here's how you do it you got to pray every day and you get your spells and things like that and then there's arcane magic which is uh, a different me- mechanism for using magic which involves uh you know, chanting words and and using uh, physical elements to cast your spells, and um, using your hands to create uh, symbols with you with uh, physical movement, and those are the kind of the mechanics of the arcane magic. So nice. that's kind of on the far end of how much you need to explain, whereas on the other end is traditional Tolkien where, you know, how exactly does Gandalf, um, you know, blast the, the Balrog and where does, you know, where does the Balrog come from is less, less explained. Um, but you had some examples of magic systems that you like too, right? Yeah. I mentioned at the start that I, I, although I don't write with a lot of magic, a lot of my favorite fantasy books have had magic central to the story um, and I was thinking of back to some of my favourite books and I was just trying to get a few varied examples together of different magic systems and just to give you an idea of like the range of possibilities and the different approaches you can take to building your own system. So the first one uh, I wanted to talk about is by a writer called James Barclay who wrote he's written quite a lot actually but the uh, series I'm talking about is the Chronicles of the Raven. So uh, it's about a mercenary, uh, a band of mercenaries who obviously are in a situation which they have to save the world. So uh, part of their crew um, are two elves and they're proficient magic users. And uh, the way it's used is they have like uh, battle, they call them battle mages or battle elves. Um, and they uh, can create defensive spells or they can create offensive spells. They don't know every spell. Like different um, mages use different... Uh, so like one would do uh, offensive spells and the other one would do healing spells or defensive spells. Um, and there's a limit to how much they can use. They grow fatigued and tired and they've got to rest and sort of meditate and recharge their abilities before they can use them again so that's a, a good idea you know, if you want to put a limit on magic because you've got to sort of create some sort of boundaries otherwise you can just blast your way out of any situation um 
with with Barclays one, if, if you, you limit the magic, it it's makes it more interesting then because you can create situations in which like the the conflicts at its like peak because you've got no magic left. The injured or wounded or they've lost people and they're on the knees. So how are they gonna get out of this situation? So yeah, that I really like the James Barkley's system of magic. That's a good one to check out. The second one is a popular one, um, also very unique. It's um, Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. So um, this one is all to do with like the sources of magic and where does the power come from. And it's all to do with metals. So um, the people who can mistwalkers, I think. I can't remember. So apologies, I can't remember what they call them. It might be called mistwalkers. But the people who uh, have a Kelsier and Vil, uh, Vin, sorry, Vil's one a character from my book. <laughs> Vin, um, she's the uh, main protagonist. They consume metal or pieces of metal. And from that, they get different kinds of abilities and different metals give them different skills and whatnot. So that was quite unique and novel. Um, and one last one is by Adrian Tchaikovsky, who wrote the Shadows of the App series. And he um, sort of tied magical abilities to different races that he created. And all the different races are related to insects. So you can, you, the wasps were the main antagonists in the story and they could fly and they could fire firewalls, um, things like that. And mantids, for example, they were a really cool character. They could, um, like they're really fast and they've got like uh, weapons, like blades sort of growing, in, growing from the, the arms and the forearms and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's really, really unique and cool. And it's all tied down to races and stuff like that. So, yeah, there are three very varied magic systems there, which just show, goes to show the potential that you've got. There's no sort of limit to what you can do with a magic system. Well, yeah, and I, I think um, there are three very different systems, but they all they all seem to be three systems very much in a, a kind of a Western tradition. Right. Yeah. And I think the the idea that magic has some sort of natural source, whether that be natural life or metals or or some sort of uh, biology, and then also the 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 magic user getting fatigued as being the weakness. Right. So one one big thing you need to have you can't just have you know Superman flying around and being invincible. Um, there's no drama there, right? There's no um, suspense. Yeah, so you no have complex. to have something like kryptonite that will weaken Superman so that there's a chance that he might die and you, you can be you know, hanging on the moment for a moment. And with, with Western-style kind of magic systems, it's always, and, and we've done the same thing with Of Metal and Magic, is you use magic and it, and it, it fatigues you. It it takes some toll on your physical body, um, and that's kind of the Western tradition of magic. But if you uh, if you watch like anime and stuff like that, you can see that there's some very different ideas about 
magic and spiritualism in uh, Eastern cultures. And one of the one of the big ones that I think isn't used as much as it should be is um, um, the kind of the Shinto Taoist paper spells that you get in like Japanese anime, where the the shaman writes a spell form on a piece of paper, and you can do things with that. So in the real world, um, that's used like um, uh, people will will hang these pieces of paper with with a, an inked character on it on their windows to like keep bad spirits out and things like that. But yeah. in the 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 kind of the Japanese anime fantasy genre, they take that and they turn it into totally different things. Where like the the shaman has all these paper spells that they've prepared and they throw a piece of paper in the air and it becomes a fireball or, or it uh, becomes some sort of other magical effect. That's cool. And so the limit of their magical power is how many of these spells did they prepare ahead of time and, and, <laughs> and did they prepare the right ones? Um, yeah. uh, which is kind of similar, I guess, to how the arcane magic system works in Dungeons and Dragons. It's all pre-prepared. So, yeah, they they get fatigued because they're running around and they're doing physical things, but the magic isn't necessarily fatiguing them. The limit of their magic is what they they've prepared ahead of time. Um, yeah. Um, whereas Western magic is a lot of more uh, instinctive and and spur of the moment type usage, but it creates mental and physical fatigue. Um, yeah. I've done, I know you haven't uh, really dealt, de- delved a lot in magic in your books, um, but I've written two books that have two very different magic systems. Um, the first one is my Of Metal and Magic uh, series, Call of the Guardian. So already in Of Metal and Magic, in the world of Soria, we've, we've created a kind of the source of magic as a, as being divine as is tradition um and you have dragons and unicorns which are these these kind of semi-divine beings and and their being and their essence and their remains are are where magic comes from and how human beings tap into magic but i from that baseline in call of the guardian um the the main hero can tap into magical power using using the mechanisms that we have built in our in our you know fantasy universe but his his magic is also limited um by what what i call the call so the call is this kind of resonance that happens when people are in danger so people who are feeling afraid or uh threatened there's a a a resonance in the magical ether that uh, the main character, the hero of Call of the Guardian, the Guardian, can hear, and that empowers him. So not only is there the general kind of, he uses magic and he becomes fatigued because there's this kind of, it's almost like a, you know, Newton's law type reaction you know, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So every use of magic, there's an there's a opposite toll on the the magic user, is one foundation. But also, he can only he can only be empowered when there's people around him that are in trouble and that are feeling distressed. 
So if, if the tide of battle turns and now, you know, morale on his side is soaring, then his magical power drops because mm. that crisis is gone and, and what he needs to tap into is no longer there. So oh, cool. uh, interesting limitation that I, that I get to play with. And then the second book is my side, my original um, side novel in the Valley of Magic. And that whole, that whole book, I'm going to try, you know, not spoil it too much, but the point of that book is figuring out where does magic come from? So it's yeah. very much integral to the story. <laughs> Can you hear him? Is that a cat? Shut up. <laughs> Telling you to shut up. Okay. Um, the whole point of that book is actually examining the origin of magic in that particular world. And I'll try not to spoil too much, but that uh, that book has a very particular magic system and and mechanics of magic. So, in getting to discovering the source of magic, one of the things that I had to do was explain how magic is used and how people interact with that power. And so how magic works in, in the Valley of Magic is it's all mental. So the, the wizard or the spellcaster uh, imagines certain things in their head, certain imagery uh, in their head to create magical effects. And it's all based off training. So there isn't one particular you know, symbol or, or icon that means, you know, a fireball. It's all what the, the spellcaster has trained themselves to, to picture in their head in order to create that effect. And it all comes through training. So um, for one character, a fireball might be uh, the color red for fire and, um, you know, circle for, an orb and you know the image of flying might create the effect of of creating a fireball yeah. um, so it's typical very kind of flashy typical video game type magic with fireballs and explosive power and things like that but the mechanism for how they do it um is is more it's more internal yeah bit like magic system with emojis yeah that's maybe if i did a, a modern spin off of that <laughs> book it would it would be all it would all be emojis <laughs> you could do a spell book and it'll just be emojis but a spell book doesn't work in my in that world because all all the imagery is internal to that person and how they've trained themselves to create an effect so you, yeah. you, it's just rote training over and over again and there's a there's a magic academy that in one of the flash fiction stories that I wrote, there you know one of the characters is in a a class a magic class and they're like, you know the best way the best way to think of fire is to think red because fire's red and the best way to think of healing is healing's green, but it's it's not a rule that they they're not saying you have to do it to, you know it's whatever works for you. Yeah, and then yeah, when you yeah. get to the end of the book and you understand how magic works, then you realize, oh, that's why. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. We'll have to read it and find out. 
So I think um, going from there, so we've talked about different, different magic systems and different ways that magic is used. But I think the big question for fantasy writers, and this goes back to the guy posting on Facebook about how do I make a, you know, directly, how do I make a magic system? It begs the question, do you need a magic system? Do you need magic? What, how much do you need to explain and how much do you need to integrate magic into your fantasy for it to be fantasy? And what do you think, Richie? Yeah. I always think when it comes to revealing bits about your world, always come back to world building advice, which is always less is more. Tease them, make them want more. I mean, it didn't work for Star Wars. I mean, look how big that was. People were happy with no explanation, really. People, I mean, you just need to give them enough that it makes sense in the mind. You don't have to go into the the origin stories of, of magic. You just need to explain how it works and what it can do, the limits and whatnot. But again, it just depends on what kind of story you want to write. If you want to write a really magic heavy story, you do whatever you want. <laughs> it's um it's just make sure it's clear, that's the main thing. Sometimes these magic systems can get really convoluted. Um I think I always come back to world building advice, just make sure it's clear, consistent, and just reveal what's necessary. Don't just splurge loads of information that we don't need to know about just at that point in the story tell us what we need to know don't indulge too much it just seems to be the way writing particularly fantasy writing is going is at one time we'd we were given the entire backstory of why the hobbits gave presents to each other on each other's birthdays you know what i mean <laughs> in, in modern stories it's purely like it's like i say character driven so it's we only explore the issues central to the character and what's going on around them and that's just to say all stories need to be like that but that's the sign of stories i like and that's the seems to be the way the genre is going so it's my two cents it definitely seems that what sells is less distraction right yeah um if the character if the lead character is not a magic user you don't need to have a scene in your book with a wizard explaining how magic views it, how magic works because the character doesn't need to know right yeah um and i mean i think the bottom line is you know the, the i think the big question is do you even need magic per se like do you need to have some sort of supernatural power that your characters can tap into and the answer is no i mean you can you can have fantasy just having magical creatures, supernatural creatures, dragons or ghosts or, or um, other sorts of beasts and things. Uh, that's fantasy enough. You don't necessarily yeah. have to have power. Um, and then when you do have magical power, you don't need to ex- explain it beyond what the characters need to know to function and to you know to fulfill the, the needs of the narrative yeah i think Most it's definitely. more it's, it's definitely riskier to go 
further into detail and into mechanics and and explanation you're going to get distracted from focusing on the character and the narrative um yeah i think the takeaway is proceed with caution don't overdo it otherwise that, you miss, risk losing the magic if you're a new fantasy author i think the question to ask is not how do i make a magic system it's do i need magic i think is the question you need to ask and yeah, if you it's not a requisite is it yeah if you answer the question do i need magic with yes for whatever reason your lead character is a wizard or uh the story is about some sort of divine legacy or whatever that's when you proceed to the next question is well how much do i need to explain and then after that is well if i need to explain it then how can i make a magic system and then that's the way making a magic system, you know, coming up with a magic system is, you know, doing a lot of research and seeing a lot of examples and looking into, you know, magic and spiritualism in the real world. Like I said, there's fundamental differences between kind of Western magic and spiritualism and Eastern magic and spiritualism. Maybe the Eastern or the, the native American or the, you know, the, um, Polynesian type mysticism is more appealing than Western fantasy kind of tropish magic at this point. Yeah. Whatever works for you at the end of the day, isn't it? So play around, have a research. It's not necessary. If you don't want to have it, you don't have to have it. But I think we've covered a lot of points there and hopefully you've found it useful. That's the main thing. Uh, I know that we'll come back to magic systems on this podcast in the future. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe in the future we can do a, uh, we can create one from scratch on the air or something. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good challenge. Then we can license license it out. Yeah, you you can rent our rent our magic system for your novel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so thank you very much for tuning in today. It's been great to have Jay on back. It just feels like everything's back to normal. The way it yeah, should be. It's getting getting there. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully everything will life will balance out here shortly. Also, yeah. might have a uh, a mini episode lined up here, so you'll be getting more of me uh, in the future. Yeah, yeah and we. We won't go into too much detail now, but the pair of us have got a few very exciting things planned for the next few months ahead. Um, We can't wait to share it with you and tell you more about it, but we just can't say much more than that at the moment. Um, But yeah, so thanks very much for tuning in. As always, please follow us, uh, subscribe, give us a like, all that jazz. Uh, Please tell everyone about us as well. Um, That's the main thing, spread, spread the word. And if you uh, if you really want to dive into magic systems, you can pick up my book in the Valley of Magic. It's still on sale on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. You'll you'll enjoy it. I enjoyed it. So thanks very much, guys. Um, we'll speak to you next time. That's for me, Richie. Yep, and that's it for me, JM. Bye bye.